Hello and welcome to this new episode of the all new 52 podcast. I am Joe Schremer and with me I have my friend and co-host Caleb Bunn Hello. over yonder. He's over there. And guys, we talk about comics on this podcast from comics of the past to comics of the present to comics of the 2000s. Again, this week we have which is the past, which is the past. No, the 2000s are its own special place. <laughs> No, they are to us because we grew up in them. But yes, this is true. I know you don't want to feel old, but they are definitely the past. Every time someone makes one of those, like, the 40s are closer to the, than the 80s were, even though I didn't grow up in the 80s, it, it, it gives me an existential crisis. But what do you mean the 40s are closer to us than like the, the 20s were? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Did you just have the existential dread set in when I said no? That? I was just like, how are the 1940s closer no. than the 1980s? <laughs> We're already off track. We're talking about Ultimate Spider-Man this week. Which one is this? Five. This is Six? five. Returning, okay. returning, uh, veteran comic Ultimate Spider-Man coming back again, coming back to the podcast with uh, a little more to discuss than we normally do. Yeah, because this includes it was a mini series. It was, was it a mini series. Yes, the Ultimate Six. Ultimate Six is the first storyline that uh, encompasses and is is a part of. It doesn't encompass this book. It's just a part of this book, uh, and that was written by Brian Michael Bendis. Oh yeah, you can tell. I thought it was a good mimic. There's there's moments where. Joe Casada's name is in the back of the book for whatever reason. I mean, it's because he's editor, but I was like, did he write this one? I mean, I bet there was a lot more editorial mandates because the Avengers are involved, but it, it felt like Bendis. Uh, and that was penciled by Trevor Hairsign while uh, Mark Bagley did the rest of the issues in normal Ultimate Spider-Man. So like, like other Ultimate Spider-Man books, uh, it's split into two very distinct arcs. They're more distinct than ever this time around, mainly due to that artist uh, switch, because I don't know if you you if you've listened to this podcast, we're friends of the Bagman, not friends. We're fans of the Bagman. I wish we were friends of the Bagman, yes. but we're just fans. Uh, Mr. Bagman, <laughs> Mr. Bagley, you can come on whenever you want. <laughs> he gets here. And we just refer to him as the Bagman. He's like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, this is Mark Bagley's uh, seventh appearance on the podcast. No. It's his ninth. Ninth. We did Life Story, remember? Yeah, Life Story, Fantastic Four, and then all of these, yeah. Oh, where did I get nine from? Never mind. I okay. don't know where I got nine from. Oh, trust me, he'll surpass nine. <laughs> he'll make it to like 20 at some point. The first arc of this is Ultimate Six. It's the Ultimate Universe's Sinister Six. Well, we get an issue before that. That is S.H.I.E.L.D. doing a debrief with Sharon Carter. And it's a retcon. It retcons Sandman to be at the end of year two's Dr. Octopus fight. Incident, yeah. It's very sloppily put in. I, I like Sandman. Maybe not uh, Sandman in general I like as a concept, so I'm happy to see him put into something. But it's like, we, you couldn't have just had like a one-off thing? It, it was very scrambly. Yeah, for sure. And then the second half of this is extremely meta in which Spider-Man by Sam Raimi is being filmed in universe. Yeah, it is the Spider-Man movie. Avi Arad, Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell. Everyone pops up. Yeah. And I, it, the plot of the Ultimate Six arc is that 
all shield is keeping all of the uh villains that spider-man has gotten at the triskelion and they eventually team up to break out kidnap spider-man and then try to blackmail the president into letting them go and arresting nick fury mm-hmm. it's we'll, we'll get into what it what it is and what are the little intricacies about it um but we have an art section to go into first caleb tell me what you thought about uh trevor Harrison. trevor Harrison's art so it's not bad there are issues with it which we will get into yeah I think it suffers from the contrast, especially because we are so deep into this series. We have expectations. It also starts with a Bagley issue. Yes. <laughs> you don't you don't get like a refresher of maybe it's been a couple months since like you read the last volume or something. No, you start with a Bagley issue. And a Bagley and then- issue with like really cool like uh lighting scenes and a great action moment and stuff. Bagley's coming more into his own in this uh in this span a little bit more he's getting a lot more unique with the panel layouts a lot more big spreads that aren't necessarily just a big image spread but no it's panels stretching across uh well both pages and that gets into the ultimate six art i think it's really interesting this just as a experiment in how art can shift the tone of the comic because i think writing wise bendis is doing similar things everyone is talking in their voices it's the similar kind of uh, weight that he would bring to things but the art is much heavier it's much heavier it's much darker yeah there aren't the bold lines that bagley has so everything kind of muddies together it's all like kind of flowing into the background you're yeah like you, you're barely seeing people because it's all like steeped in very heavy shadows and for me while it's not there are problems with it uh, Sometimes people just don't have faces. Yeah. And then almost all the time, it's the faces are indistinguishable, not because they have similar features, but because they don't have features. But like in terms of big splashes, like the ending splash of it just shows the wrecked Triskelion and then a helicopter flying away. Like that's very beautiful art. Um, I think it's just this isn't the tone of art I want from this series. And it definitely made these a lot harder to get through. I think you hit the nail on the head where we're so ingrained with Bagley's art at this point. I don't know if you noticed, a lot of people are drawn very off model to how Bagley has drawn him. Yeah. Peter Peter's a completely different person in terms of appearance. Does not have his signature haircut. Uh, Norman's just looks like whoever. He doesn't look like how he's used to look. Um, I mean, Fury kind of has the thing where it's like, I mean, he has a passing resemblance to Samuel Jackson, but he he doesn't, he's not as big as he is in uh his appearances so far in ultimate spider-man i think all the ultimate heroes work well enough um well there's like that kind of shading problem which is more on the color but also kind of on the pencils oh, yeah, the ultimates they're they're fine they haven't really appeared yeah too much to where you have a version of them that you're really locked into it's the it's the returning characters of like the series proper that are the real distracting point for me at least yeah yeah i think for me it's less about the character models it's just i think it's the distinguishing feature of not having bold lines to having this more like i don't want to say muddy art because that makes it sound bad but like more um shaded art i guess shadowy art i think what we're getting at is in any of the book 
we would probably we might be praising it even yeah or maybe just being like yeah it's whatever all right it's good um but we we're coming from like the pinnacle of bagman and like his prime where he, he's not brought on as a rush job guy he's brought on as a you're consistently good mm-hmm. so it's really it's really a downer ultimate spider-man at this point is just as much bagley's as it is bendis oh yeah and so it's just weird not having one half of that duo and then uh talking about the art in the second half it's bagley he's like <laughs> we, we can't sing his praises enough oh yeah i the one i guess kind of critique is i shared with a friend of mine who's a big sam raimi fan i showed her the panels and she was like, oh, that doesn't really look like Sam Raimi. And I'm like, yeah, these people aren't one to one. But I don't care. Yeah. And maybe that's us being fanboys because we just criticize this guy for the other guy for not drawing the characters how they look to. And this guy has real life people he can match. But I know. mean, he isn't Greg Land. Like, I don't want him to just trace. <laughs> no, no, right? no, no. Like, so I think that's enough about the art. Let's talk about what we liked about this issue. Uh, do you want to start, Caleb? Yeah, so I'll just get out of the way. I don't really like anything about the Ultimate Six stuff. It's not to say that's terrible, but uh, you know, between the art and other things I'll get into into negatives, absolutely nothing grabbed me. And I was like, oh, this is completely inconsequential. Almost, Im- Which leads me to one of my backhanded positives. Almost immediately when the Doc Ock stuff starts in the second half, I'm like, oh, you don't need to read Ultimate you, Six. This has no bearing on the plot. That's, and I'm happy. That's one of my biggest things where you kept asking because you knew that a certain plot point was coming up with Doc Ock when it was going to happen. And I was like, I don't know if it happens. And then Doc Ock comes back and I'm like, is this his fourth time returning already? Technically with Ultimate Six already? Because Ultimate Six, I don't think it really works anywhere else. Like if you were to place it later in like the Ultimate Spider-Man continuity. But it's also too early because we've just revisited everybody. Mm-hmm. Like Norman's shown up for a second time be- before this has happened already. And you just get Sandman right before it happens too. So it's like, do we need to see him again? Like, But we're in positives. Yeah, it's, it's such a downer though. Okay, I'll switch to positives though. Uh, the, the super meta stuff with uh, the movie being shot is hilarious. Hilarious. Especially like being in 2020 now and the joke of a producer that Aviard has become. Hey, he got that special thanks in No Way Home. For some reason. <laughs> no, seeing him here being a super slimy producer is really fun. Oh, it's hilarious. And just like you get to see Bruce, uh, Bruce Campbell as um, Mysterio and like they just call him Bruce and he, he isn't exactly drawn like Bruce Campbell. Enough so that you would recognize him. But it's like a fun little in-joke for people. It's clear that they had a good understanding of the film side of the of this of the production of the actual Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And this would have been Spider-Man 2 would have already been out at this point, I'm pretty sure. I mean, probably because I think this is like year five of this, so it's probably oh five when yeah, this came out originally. Because Doc Ock is gonna be a villain in the movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a merging of Spider-Man 1 and 2 where mm-hmm. they're it's the first Spider-Man they kind of do a couple things that you see in that movie but the villain's Doc Ock. Not well, you <laughs> not not due to scripting issues more so they were able to catch the real Doc Ock on yeah, film so they yeah. threw him in there. 
Well, no, maybe he was going to be because, because Doc Ock's wife is like demonizing him. Yeah, yeah. Doc's, Doc Ock's wife has sold off his uh, his life story mm-hmm. and is a consultant on the film. Yeah. Which seems like a very bad idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For a man who's oh, already escaped me. prison once, like... No, twice. Twice, yeah. <laughs> um, That first issue, the one with Sandman, uh, I really like the structure of it. I think it's... uh. It feels like um, the cold open to like a movie or a TV show. Yeah, or it something. does. And, you know, it's one of those things where comics should be comics first and foremost. But if you can take the strengths of another medium and incorporate them in, then definitely do that. And I think Bendis is doing that here. Yeah, it's, it's a little sloppy how they retcon Sandman into it. Like it really, if you threw that issue in between, like, issue 17 or whatever it is that it happens in originally it doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. but you know it's it's a fun enough fight i another positive i have is i love peter getting so far away from home and then having to somehow get back to yeah (laughs) to his house before whether it be just riding on cars and everybody watches him and there's like pictures of spider-man just taking a hitch on a cab to he's in brazil and has to somehow get back through connecting flights it's all fun stuff. Yeah. Um, Doc Ock continues to be a very entertaining villain. His motivation is just he's crazy, mm-hmm. which I feel like you could do a little bit more nuance with the character. But if that's what you're going to do, Bendis writes him well. Yeah. Um, I also really like all the stuff with Gwen in this. Gwen gets a lot of cool stuff to do. and she's She's not really interacting with everyone, but like she has her own agency. It's not just like, Oh, Gwen's a character in this book. We have to flash her. It's like, no, this is important stuff that she's yeah. doing and coming to grips with. And I really like the resolution to all that, too. Yeah. Surprising lack of Mary Jane this time around. Yeah. I think that that's just the thing where Bendis knows when to put focus on certain characters. Mm-hmm. What we do get with Mary Jane is still good, it's still in line with the character. But if he's going to pull back to put more focus on Gwen in the high school stuff or even Kong, I like that. I think that works. But I mean, the most focus of those back issues is Doc Ock. Yeah, it's oh, it's so it's it's so weird coming off of Ultimate Six. Like if this was planned, this was they could bit like if Bendis was being forced like an editorial decision to like, all right, we're doing we're doing all Ultimate Six. Like, was this coming out at the same time? Because that's even sloppier. I doubt that. I really doubt that. I hope that it wasn't, but... I, I would imagine that this would be a situation where Ultimate Six replaced Ultimate Spider-Man. For a little bit? Yeah, for those six issues or... Seven, however. yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I hope so. They st- I still think either editorial should have waited a little bit or Bendis should have moved some of his like storyboards around of where he was going to... like. You know, have Doc Ock come back immediately afterwards. But I mean, I'm reading this as like the story of Ultimate Spider-Man with this tangential thing to the side. I wouldn't want Bendis to compromise anything he's doing with the overall story for this tangential thing. Yeah, I mean, Ultimate Spider-Man is the pinnacle of this universe. Like it started it. It was the longest running. It was the most successful. So it's weird whenever like I'm glad it's collected because it'd be weird if it wasn't. If one of the stories like how it's weird. How when you meet Kurt Connors, the lizard has already happened, but it happened at an issue that wasn't collected for whatever reason. It was in an ultimate team up issue. Hmm. It's weird how 
some like something like that was collected or something like that wasn't collected and ultimate six was when i feel like ultimate six has less bearing on the plot we even had that uh iron fist issue a couple volumes yeah back. we did that wasn't ultimate spider-man either no. so <laughs> odd yeah <laughs> it's, it's just weird choices in collection that are inconsistently consistent yeah uh, i don't know uh do we have any more praises to sing? I feel like, you know, listen to our last four episodes on Ultimate Spider-Man and most of the same holds true. Oh, yeah. Like, still very good voices for the teenage characters. Still really like the balance of tone. So has a really good grasp on who Spider-Man is, like the purpose for this superhero. Um, and, of course, the Bagman. Like, those are probably going to be the consistent ones until Bagley leaves the book. I mean, or until Bendis starts falling into his ruts. Which um, you can kind of see here. <laughs> I mean, it's in the, it's in the, I think that's a good splitting point into negatives. Uh, Bendis has started to take up a lot more parts of the page with just words and nothing else. Man, he, if he wants to write prose, I don't know if he ever has before. I would probably read a book, but you know what? <laughs> I'm reading a comic. <laughs> I don't want your prose to be squeezed into the gutter. <laughs> Literally <laughs> squeezed into, they're not even on the outside of the page where they're easy to read. No, they're near the middle where the binding is so you have to peel the book open a little bit more to see it and at least like with the first time that happened a couple volumes back it was like an action pose of spider-man swinging this one is just like it happens a couple times but the one i'm thinking of is it's peter eating a bowl of cereal yeah <laughs> it's the most boring mundane thing like still good art but like man could you not have could you not have utilized this a little bit better yeah Although I will say, to balance it out, he does let the action just take up pages. He doesn't always feel the need to put dialogue in. I, I mean, could have swung back into positive with that. One of the last issues of Ultimate Six, Bendis isn't touching the page at all for like a good, good bit. Yeah. He lets, he lets the art do its job. It's lesser job of Bagley, but it's job. <laughs> I mean, even then, I, I could totally see someone liking that art more than Bagley. I think it's just an acquired taste thing. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Um, isn't an acquired taste thing? Actually, it is. Um, the Avengers? I, I, hate, I hate the Ultimates so much. <laughs> Listen, the Avengers are already a fraught superhero team because they're superhero cops, essentially. But at least they don't have the direct like tie where they were created by the government. They're literally just cops. It sucks. Yeah. I hate them. And they're doing they're doing like extrajudicial things. Yeah, it's it's all Nick Fury stuff of like, well, I technically don't have the right to be imprisoning you, but no one's gonna stop me. Unless they find out and spoiler, they find out. And you know what? Iron Man and Wasp and Captain America are going to be there all the way. Like, they never question this. It, ha it has part to do. It's a miniseries. So you're kind of coming into this. You're not expecting characters to be developed. But these characters have not shown up outside of this comic or inside of this comic before with any, like, profound development iron man shows up that one page to beat the rhino and that's you get, it he you get a wasp cameo at one point yeah they're cameo they're cameos yeah yeah and spider-man has no agency in this story no it, none it, whatsoever he doesn't show up to like three issues in it is a story about the ultimates and while i love this version of nick fury when he is dragged down by grumpy thor 
and personality less Iron Man and like the worst version of Captain America ever written. <laughs> Captain America, who is the exact person you would expect to be dethawed from the 40s. Yeah. Yeah. All that, all that justice is uh, not due to a heart of gold. It's due to a military beating. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a fan. No. And, I think the first issue is interesting enough where it's like a psych test between all what will be the ultimate six. But even then, it's Hank Pym giving it. Why is Hank Pym? Yeah. Why is? Yeah. Like Fury should be smarter than to just let Hank Pym play with these people. Yeah. Yeah. How do you like Doc Ock just being able to control the arms remotely? I think it works well as a reveal. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a part where that art does work well, a slow zoom in on him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little weird to get adjusted to, but if that's where they're going with this, especially wanting to sell me on the idea that he somehow is a, has mutated his genes so that he can fit in with these other criminals, then sure. I'll buy it. What about, uh, Norman just being the Hulk? (laughs) I mean, I'm used to that because that's what he's been so far. Yeah, it's. I don't know, every time he transforms into the goblin, like it's different every time, which makes it a little more interesting every time. But like also, like I it's it I think it works when it, it is like another personality and not just you you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Norman is, I think, the weakest of all the recurring villains. Doc Ock is more interesting if we're just going super scientist who's crazy. Kingpin is more interesting as like big imposing mm-hmm. bad guy. And then when you get people like Craven and stuff. They are they're less of a threat, but they're more fun because entertaining. Yeah. Um, I'd say with the exception of Sandman, just because I feel like he never gets anything. He doesn't do. talk. Yeah. He like doesn't like being a mutant. It's fair enough. Yeah, and I mean I guess that's on par. Well, it's at least on par with the movie version. Yeah. So. Yeah. Ultimate six is a slog to get through. I also just hate that everything is tied into like these people have mutated genes and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's just, it's when you try to, it's the same problem I have with metahumans in DC. When you try to condense everything down into one mm-hmm. origin, it's just really uninteresting. I want to see the world where everything is wacky and everything is a different, has a different origin. It's also getting into one of my big gripes of, uh, Peter Parker doesn't really have a secret identity. <laughs> that's true they have to contrive a weird reason for how people don't hear uh doc ock when he's just yelling parker (laughs) my boy my boy peter (laughs) peter parker who lives in queens my boy (laughs) yeah see that's why i was like it's bendis in the voicing but man i feel like bendis just writes smarter than this like Aunt May's just like I'm angry that I can't see my 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 nephew, and then I'm and then I'm fine when we're when we're out of it. I feel like that's all on par with Aunt May. She's also in like two pages, so yeah. I, Peter's really wimpy in this too. Like he doesn't. Oh yeah, no, Peter doesn't do anything. Peter doesn't do anything. He's just sad, and it's he's the secret member of the sinister of the Sinister Six. Why? But it never goes anywhere. It never goes anywhere. They don't use him as a weapon or anything. Yeah, he sees Electro torch some people, and then Captain America's like, "Hey, you want to be a good guy again?" And he's like, "Sure." <laughs> hey, your your aunt's safe. They lied. They can't hurt her. I mean, they can as soon as they get out of prison again. Yeah. 
I don't know. I I feel like I feel like very appropriately all our problems are housed in the first half of this book and all our positives are housed in the second. And I feel like that is a trend I have seen throughout these Ultimate Spider-Mans where the main plot, the thing that is on the cover, the thing that they are wanting you to read is bad. <laughs> is you, Yeah. The, the X-Men stuff was the weakest stuff in that volume. The Venom stuff was the weakest stuff in that volume. The other two covers are just Spider-Man doing his thing. Yeah. So. And, but even then, like the first arc of Green Goblin in year one is less interesting than the Kingpin. Yeah, stuff, so. that's true. I'd say the only exception to that is the Doc Ock in volume two. Yeah, it's, it's weird how inconsistent it can be. This this one's more understanding because it's like it's not the team that we're used to and it's like clearly an editorial mandate. Well, there are ebbs and flows in every story mm-hmm. and the the lows make you appreciate the highs more. It's just this one was such a such a drastic contrast. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of any negatives I have for the second half because the second half's fun. And I think it's just elevated by the fact that we just got off like the worst thing we've read in this in this run so far i guess i could say that kind of drags in the middle a little bit yeah um it's fun that he ends up in brazil but getting there is a little bit of a slog it ends really strong though i love what they do with doc ock at the end i love the gwen stuff at the oh end. yeah the, i mean doc ock doc ock being able to play in a whole new playroom i guess of being able to detach his arms and like attach to this ra- this random taxi driver and uh, get the taxi driver killed because people just see arms and they're like, shoot it, kill it. Oh crap, that's not the guy we're trying to kill. There's some weird politics there too because the taxi driver, turban. Yeah, the taxi driver, I should say, probably had a lot of bad days in post 9 11 New York. Yeah. Doc Hawk's threatening in a really good way in this from like the amount of kills he does to threatening the uh, pilot. The entire time, it he also falls into I'm monologuing, thus giving you enough time to escape Spider Man. Yeah, but he has a lot of hubris, so yeah. I would expect like I'd be a little bit disappointed if Kingpin was doing that, but I can buy it with some villains. You got anything else to talk about this? Not really. I mean, I really enjoyed that back half, and mm-hmm. even the Ultimate Six stuff. I I, I really can't say that's bad it's just all personal taste stuff Um, it's all personal taste and i think it is like i think it's uh, not officially what word am i looking for what am i trying to say not i think it's subjectively no i think it's objectively like lesser maybe i could also see someone coming in and reading this and being annoyed by how meta the second half is yeah and like liking the idea that this sinister six are more threatening that's true group or i guess Sinister Five. The Ultimate Six. Yeah. You got any recommendations for stuff that this is a little similar to? I've... Yeah, this is kind of tricky because I know we'll read more Ultimate Spider-Man, so I have to save some. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll just say that my pick this week, I feel like if Ultimate Spider-Man is a very good jumping on point, um, I would say my pick for next week is similarly a very good jumping on point oh okay yeah and you'll find out about that in a minute (laughs) like two minutes if you want the meta like fun jokes about the film industry uh six sidekicks of buster not buster keaton i always say that trigger keaton trigger keaton yeah that's 
a little fun meta thing. I was trying to think of stuff that's a little more similar into like the darkness of Ultimate Six. And I had something and then it left me. Man, I don't read I don't read a ton of dark comics, I guess. No, I don't either. I feel like this is this is similar to how like some rebirth suicide squad can get in the sense that there's a lot of like bad guys in quotation marks for suicide squad, but the villains mm-hmm. and just a lot of like pretty gross imagery. I mean, also it's like an Avenger spinoff. So like, this is pretty in line with how the ultimates is too. So if you did like the ultimate six, you'd probably like the ultimates. And if this tone, I guess, civil war, I guess. Like, yeah, no. Yeah. That is very civil war. Civil war. Yeah. Was, was uh Mark Millar writing Ultimates? Yeah, he was. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. These feel like Millar characters. Yeah, <laughs> he was. So, Caleb, what do you have for me coming up? Let me go get it. Okay. Oh, tying it in, aren't you? Oh, yeah. We got... Trying to. Don't know when the show's <laughs> coming out, but... We got Miss Marvel, Volume 1. Yeah. This is, I think, one of the breakout stars of Marvel in the past couple years. Um, for various reasons that we'll get into, but I I read it a couple years back, enjoyed it, um, and so I feel like she has a very Spider Man-y approach to being a hero. Um, I was about to say Spider Man-y origin, but she has a very Inhumansy origin, which I think <laughs> is one of the uh things that dates this comic. We'll get into it. Oh yeah, this was. This was trying to wipe the X-Men from (laughs) continuity during that time, wasn't it? I think think it was more just trying to make the Inhumans matter, like how they're trying to make the Eternals matter. Yeah, yeah. No, it was trying to make the Inhumans matter because they were trying to make the X-Men not matter so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, I can finally have an opinion backed by having read it now. Yeah. I thought I just really didn't have an opinion on her beforehand. But this is one of those comics that like everyone's read. And so a lot of people yeah. have opinions. It's like, so. it's like Hawkeye where like everyone's read it yeah. nowadays, especially if you're new to comics. I feel like it's a big, it's a big in. Yeah. And like I said, when I uh, quasi recommended this, uh, great jumping on point if you're trying to get into comics. Cool. We'll be back with that in two weeks. If you liked what you heard, please give us a good rating on the podcast platform of your choice, preferably the one you're listening to it on. You know, we're everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts. That's a thing, right? Uh, audible sure audible that's what it is oh yeah no we are on audible <laughs> we're everywhere you can send us an email at all new 52 podcast at gmail.com with your recommendations and your critiques uh i don't know we'll, we'll explore another part of the ultimate universe probably at some point so and and more of spider-man so you know talk Will best, we or what part of the ultimate because you're not bringing me ultimate fantastic four and I think I'll I mean, revolt. I might at some point. Who knows? I think I'd revolt if you brought me Ultimates. So, like, <laughs> what are you going to bring me? <laughs> uh, I mean, there's stuff after Ultimatum that, like, relaunches it. That's true. That's true. So, like, there's plenty left for the Ultimate Universe to explore. But right now, we're going to 616, baby. baby. Wow, we're, we're really in the same wavelength for that. So, we'll see you then. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>